Good evening. The parents of a 14-year-old girl killed by a police bullet in California demand justice. Eric Adams hires new staffers in a park in Jersey City at the center of a dispute over public use versus nature. With these and other stories, I'm Paul Durienzo with the WBAI News for Tuesday, December 28th, 2021. United States health officials' decision to recommend COVID-19 isolation and quarantine periods be reduced from 10 days to 5 as some medical experts fearing more confusion and fear among Americans. The CDC has been under pressure from the public and the private sector, including the airline industry, to shorten the isolation time and reduce the risk of severe staffing shortages amid the Omicron surge. Thousands of flights have been canceled over the past few days in a mess blamed on Omicron. On December 21st, a letter signed by Delta Airlines CEO Ed Bastian asked the CDC to cut the recommended COVID quarantine by half because of its significant impact on the airline's workforce and operations. The next week, CDC shortened guidance to five days. Ten days is still the guidance in Canada, Europe, and the United Kingdom. The letter to the CDC continues, 90% of the Delta workforce is fully vaccinated, adding while Omicron is 25 to 50% more contagious, is likely less virulent and associated with mild disease among the fully vaccinated. The French government said yesterday that it'll soon relax its isolation rules. Italy is considering doing away with a quarantine altogether for those who've had close contact with an infected person as long as they've had a booster shot. Meanwhile, in California, the parents of a 14-year-old girl shot dead by cops in a changing room as she was buying Christmas clothes at a Burlington Coat Factory outlet in North Hollywood spoke to the media for the first time today. Valentina Oriana Peralta was shot through a wall by an LAPD officer on Christmas Eve in a killing that shocked Los Angeles. The girl's father, Juan Pablo Oriana Lorenas, traveled from Chile after receiving a call that his daughter had been shot to death. Lorenas said... He had many Christmas gifts for his teen daughter. He said, I now have to save them for her tomb. The LAPD made body cam videos and 911 calls from the incident that occurred just before noon when the 24-year-old suspect, Danielle Elena Lopez, entered the Burlington Coat Factory with a bicycle and a bike lock on a chain. He was seen attacking several female customers. A store employee made the 911 call. The following is disturbing. Evacuate the building, everybody. Evacuate the building. What's the emergency? I had a hospital customer in my store attacking, attacking customers. Okay. One, two, one, two, one. Victory, wait. Ma'am, he's breaking things. He's breaking okay. things. Ma'am, ma'am, is he black? Is he black, Hispanic, or Asian? He's Hispanic. Ma'am. Hey. Ma'am, I need you to only answer the questions so that way we can get the officer out there. Okay. Does he have any weapons? Does he have any weapons? Get out. He's using his bike. He's using one of those bike locks. To hit people? Evacuate, get out. Okay, ma'am, he's using a bike lock to hit people? Yeah, well, get him oh, out. Yeah. Okay. No, yeah. Ni- no knives or guns, correct? No knives or guns. Okay. I just need to make sure, ma'am, I have to ask, okay? Is he under the influence of any alcohol and narcotics as far as you know? Yeah, most likely, yes. No, no one's hurt right now that I know of. All right, we'll have an officer. We're going to have an officer respond over as yeah, possible, yeah. okay? If anything changes, anyone needs an ambulance, he grabs any other weapons or anything, give us a call back, okay? 
So there in the 911 call, you have it. Uh, the 911 uh, dispatcher was told there was no weapon outside of a bike lock, no guns or knives involved. Police did arrive and enter the store with a shotgun, assault rifle, and pistols drawn, headed up to the second floor. They didn't wait long to shoot Lopez, who was standing some distance away from cops or anyone else in the store. The following is extremely disturbing. If it's a trigger, tune back in 90 seconds. Diamond formation, guys. You get all victims. LAPD, all victims come to us. All victims come out. Yeah, we got a guy right here. No pants. Oh wait, we have a victim down. Victim down. Push. Oh, he's got a, he's got a tube. Here, here, slow And you might have heard the mother screaming and crying in the uh, room, in the changing room from the back. Uh, at today's news conference, Valentina's mother, Soledad Peralta, described what happened as she broke into sobs. Cuando algo impactó a mi hija, Valentina, y nos lanzó al piso, y, mur y murió en mi brazo, no pude hacer nada. <laughs> No pude hacer nada. A ver, amiga. No pude hacer nada. And her statement was then translated. At only 14 years old, Valentina was our, our young daughter. She was full of joy and she had big dreams for her future. <clears throat> She had a lot to live. We're together at Burlington in North Hollywood. We were trying out clothes for Christmas. We heard some screams. <clears throat> we sat down and hugged and started praying. When something impacted my daughter, Valentina, it threw us on the floor <clears throat> and she died in my arms and there was nothing I could do. To see a son or daughter die in your arms is one of the pains, the greatest pains and most profound pains that any human being can imagine. Valentina meant the world to us, to her family, to her friends, and to her schoolmates. And now our sweet angel has left forever. Please give us strength, Valentina. To have to please give us strength, Valentina, to make justice for you. 
And that was a translation of a statement by Soledad Peralta, Valentina's mom. They had recently arrived in Los Angeles from their home in Chile. Valentina wanted to be an engineer and was studying physics and robotics. Peralta's attorney is famed civil rights lawyer Ben Crump. She had dreams to go to a Los Angeles Lakers game with her father and see LeBron James. They talked about one day they were going to go to a Laker game. But her most important dream, as all of her family members have articulated, was to become an American citizen. And tragically, that would never happen. Ben Crump, he had earlier tweeted, an LAPD officer recklessly started shooting at a suspect and a stray bullet struck Valentina, who was inside a dressing room. This careless use of force endangered innocent people and stole Valentina's young life. Valentina's father, Juan Pablo, still in shock from the tragedy, said his daughter was his best friend. And then his statement was also translated. He had purchased gifts for her Christmas, and now he the, those, those gifts are now going to be brought to her grave because she's gone. His heart is just torn out. <clears throat> his daughter was very excited about the fact that she had done well in school, had gotten good grades, and um, they were going to celebrate that together. And now they're not going to be able to do that. <clears throat> also, she had great dreams of being an American citizen. She wanted to be here in the United States because this was the land of opportunity. And she was excited about that. Um, they were going to go see the Lakers. Dad's a big fan of the Lakers. And they had planned to go see the Lakers together. Um, and that's never going to happen now. And that was a statement from her father. Meanwhile, Crump read a letter from Valentina's principal at HTLA High School, the, uh, where the uh, girl was studying physics. I feel like it was just yesterday that I was working with Valentina on her physics final exam preparation. She was an amazing young woman who was brave and showed so much growth in such a short time here at HTLA. And then, um, pardon me, Crump and another lawyer say they expect more video to be released by the police. We sent a preservation of evidence letter to the LAPD so that we actually can have transparency on all of the evidence and all of the information so that the LAPD doesn't drive the narrative on what they did. We can expose that truth ourselves. And what we did was we sent that letter. We sent it immediately to make sure that all of that evidence is saved and it's going to be available to us through this process. We, we believe that there's a video, surveillance video from the Burlington store itself as well. And so we want all the documentation complete transparency, not just a perspective that tries to justify things. We want everything released. Do you believe there's more video than has already been released? We do. And then that was uh, Crump. He then uh, led folks who were there in a chant that Valentina's life matters.
Valentina's life matters. Valentina's life matters. Valentina's life matters. Valentina's life matters. Valentina's life matters. Valentina's life matters. Valentina's life matters. Last week, LAPD Chief Michelle Moore said the incident was a result, not really of police misconduct, but America's violent gun culture. People were fleeing the store and others were sheltering in place. An ugly truth in America is that the instances of active shooters in such environments are real. They're not isolated. They're, they're coming at a velocity today uh, that American policing has not seen. So these officers are not walking into a scenario of some unimaginable set of circumstances. So an officer's actions are to train, to respond quickly, to put a ready team, a, a quick uh, response to enter and move towards a potential gunman, a uh, homicidal suspect. We live in a very violent society. Approximately a day after this horrific event, it is way, way too soon to make any judgment. And that's LAPD Chief Michelle Moore. Juan Pablo Oriana Larenas is the father of 14-year-old Valentina Oriana Peralta. She was shot and killed by an LAPD officer on Christmas Eve, responding to a disturbance at a department store. The bullet allegedly bounced off the floor and entered the changing room, instantly killing the girl. The, uh, the person who the police were chasing at that time, he was also killed in the... Uh, in the altercation, and uh, he seemed to be unarmed at that moment, although it was said he had a, uh, a bike lock with him. Uh, the police officers were responding with a shotgun assault rifle and their pistols drawn. The, the suspect was uh, Daniel Elena Lopez, and he did have a long criminal record. And you're listening to the news on WBAI New York. I'm Paul DiRienzo. Former New York Governor Andrew Cuomo won't face criminal charges stemming from allegations of unwanted kissing by two women, one of them a state trooper assigned to his detail. That's according to a county prosecutor. Westchester County District Attorney Mimi Roca said while there was evidence to conclude the conduct the woman described did occur, it didn't merit charges. Roca said in a statement in both instances, my office has determined that although the allegations of witnesses were credible and the conduct concerning, we cannot pursue criminal charges due to the statutory requirements of the criminal laws of New York. Last week, a Long Island prosecutor said Cuomo wouldn't face criminal charges after the same trooper said she felt completely violated by his unwanted touching at an event at Belmont Park in September 2019. Acting Nassau County District Attorney Joyce Smith said the allegations were credible and troubling, but not criminal under state law. And here, closer to home, Mayor-elect Eric Adams today tapped a couple of veteran municipal government watchdogs to help him root out waste, fraud, and abuse in City Hall and defended the potential pick of a former NYPD cop once engulfed in a bribery scandal. Adams, who's set to be sworn in as mayor Saturday, unveiled his two new picks, Lisa Flores and Marjorie Landa, during a press conference at Brooklyn Borough Hall, saying they'll work alongside his chief counsel, Brendan McGuire, to pursue a zero-tolerance agenda on dysfunctionality in city government. Want to place a system to look at all contracts in excess of $10 million. They will go on to immediate review to make sure that this is they are providing the services we need in our city, MWBEs. It is embarrassing to know in this city that we only have 3.8% of all city contracts are going to MWBEs. That is a failure, and we're not going to continue it. The goal is to have a real-time management reporting system that can't be an annual report. 
we're going to look at month, month by month to see if we're trending in the right direction. I'm a big believer if you don't inspect what you expect, it's all suspect. I'm going to have a zero tolerance of people not committed to the employees of the city, committed to each other, and committed to reaching the vision that we expect from New York. We are better than what we have been showing. We're leaving too many people behind. We have become comfortable with them being left behind. That ends on January 1st when this new team of people who love the city and professionals that understand how to move our city forward will take the helm. And that's Mayor-elect Eric Adams. And on Saturday, he will take office as New York City's his honor, his honor, Eric Adams. And a long anticipated bill to prevent private. This is a story. Now we're going across the Hudson River, which we should do more often on the news, to New Jersey, where a long anticipated bill to prevent private development in New Jersey's most visited state park passed from one committee of the state Senate to another. But with the legislative year winding down, some activists say the action was not enough to make a difference. The Senate's Environment, that's the New Jersey State Senate's Environment and Energy Committee, voted to clear the Liberty State Park Protection Act and send it to their Budget and Appropriations Committee. They say it's to ensure the park continues to remain as a recreational area free for everyone to enjoy. And they're calling it a much-needed green space in the city's densely populated concrete jungle. But there is controversy and this act, this law, which is has a long way to go before it's actually enacted, is uh, at the heart of this dispute between a group who says uh, that they represent people who want to use the park and make use of the park, which has its problems, including uh, extreme uh, pollution from chromium and other industrial waste. You might see it. It's where the, uh, the New Jersey Science Center is, right behind uh, the Statue of Liberty passes sometimes on the way to the Holland Tunnel if you drive that way. And it is a large area. It's beautiful, uh, but it is uh, has its problems and it needs remediation and it needs work. And that has been promised back as far back as the 1980s, but not really achieved. In this dispute, one group, and I'll have them on first, and that is uh, Liberty State Park for All Coalition and their executive director, Arnold Scoville, says that uh, that environmentalists, tree huggers, are getting in the way of progress and that this park could be made useful to the communities surrounding it. Paul Fireman tried to buy property near his golf course. A group called the Friends of Liberty State Park protested it, so he backed off. He became very supportive of the idea of the community getting back to the promises that it had once been made in this document. During the pandemic, more than 1,000 people participated in surveys, questionnaires, small groups, and interacted so that we could come to some agreement upon what kind of vision the community felt was appropriate for the Liberty State Park, given the fact that they are literally surrounding the park. These particular wards in Jersey City, wards A and F, are around the park, but they have very poor access. A significant part of the park has been cordoned off because of remediation needs. Basically, there's chromium in the soil. It's never been remediated. And in the 25 years that the Friends of Liberty State Park have been the self-proclaimed caretakers of Liberty State Park, no efforts were made to remediate. 
there is a group called Friends of Liberty State Park. They are the ones who have been in their self-proclaimed caretaker role with Liberty State Park for the past two, three decades. They are feeling that from an environmental standpoint, it would be better to leave the park alone and to let it remediate itself, so to speak, by letting entropy do its work. As far as the community was turned, that, of course, was ridiculous. The community was heard. The plans were made. The individuals necessary to remediate had been contacted, and everything was going smooth. Then we found out that this group, Friends of Liberty State Park, had decided to put in legislation that would override the concerns and the desires of the community and have the local city council implement them as the overseers for the park in some sort of official capacity. What are you asking for and from who? What we wanted was for the community to be heard and involved in the recreation of Liberty State Park, a remediated, clean, accessible park that all people could enjoy. A park that includes recreation. Yesterday, they and their agents made a surprise introduction of a bill that would basically put them in control of everything. It's called the Protection Act and allows them to oversee all things that are related to the park, even above the authority of the DEP. They have couched this in this idea of a uh, billionaire takeover and them being the trustworthy alternative, and we are determined to stop that so that the community can have its say. And that was Arnold Scoville. He's the executive director of Liberty State Park for All Coalition. But Sam Pesson, who's the founder and director of Friends of Liberty State Park, says, in fact, Scoville and his group are just not telling the truth. For 45 years, the overwhelming majority, the broad public consensus, tens of thousands of people have opposed privatization plans for Liberty State Park, no matter what money is promised. The law called the Protection Act needs to be passed in the legislature and supported by the governor uh, to once and for all end these privatization threats. And the only opposition comes from people who have been bought off by the billionaire owner of the Liberty National Golf Course adjacent to Liberty Park because the owner, Paul Fireman, wants to privatize and destroy the Liberty Park, Caven Point, Natural Area, Migratory Bird Habitat Area, which is also an urban student educational resource. So he wants to turn that beautiful, scarce urban natural area into golf holes for multimillionaires. The Friends of Liberty Park have always supported active recreation and have wanted a Central Park type park. And the DEP didn't allow active recreation state parks until this administration. And we've supported in the past year the DEP's planning process and surveys to establish active recreation. There will be 61 acres of active recreation facilities. And also the DEP has tens of millions of dollars from an Exxon pollution settlement to carry out the standard protective remediation for the contamination in the park. And we've funded 950 trees and and gardens in the park and um, bulletin boards and kayaks and and any and many other park improvements so we aim for central park type park if anyone like paul fireman came to new york city and wanted a, a piece of central park they would be laughed out of town but in new jersey 
a billionaire gets welcomed into the back room to to make deals. His basic charge that this is just basically a privileged white tree huggers taking away land that could be used for surrounding poor neighborhoods, mostly people of color. That ignores whole history of the park and it ignores what the DEP is doing now with their plans of 61 acres of active recreation which Protection Act supporters support and their strategy is to exploit the Black Lives Matter movement to discredit park advocates and discredit the Protection Act, which would protect the whole park because the billionaire Paul Fireman wants to do a land grab of this natural area. Fireman said he has no interest in that anymore. Well, that was a year ago that he did, that Fireman did that. All he did was switch to the phony group, which reporters call an astroturf group because it's a phony grassroots group. A couple of weeks ago, Eric Shuffler, the well-connected lobbyist for firemen, he sent a letter to this environment committee. Firemen is still very much active through his top lobbyist. And that's Sam Pizen. He's the founder and director of the Friends of Liberty State Park. His father, Morris Pazin, is known, well-known as the father of Liberty State Park. And that's some of the news for Tuesday, December 28, 2021. The news produced with Linda Perry, our engineers, Reggie Johnson. From New York City, I'm Paul Durienzo and New Jersey and Connecticut as well. Thanks for joining us.